kids behind the bus time. From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with ominous captain Tim Bowens. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox Player, Fem and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook and Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have two news items for you today. First up, catch Live Robot Combat this weekend in Norwalk, Connecticut. NHRL kicks off its 2023 season this Saturday with New Year New Bots with 130 brand new robots. A small handful of robots on this weekend's roster have competed elsewhere, but the vast majority were built specifically for this event. A number of BattleBots captains and pit crew members will be competing this weekend at NHRL. Notably, Tantrum Captain Alex Grant, Shredder Bro Captain Evan Arias, SME Captain Joe Fabiani, Banshee Captain David Small, Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters, Slamo Captain Craig Danby, Dragon Slayer Captain Jordan Neal, Triton Captain Brad Hanstead, and Star Child Captain Brandon Zielinski. Additionally, I am very excited about a couple of new robots in particular, notably Kill It With Fire from serial killer builder Kokoto Mane and Big Cookie, a 45-pound bristlebot shell spinner built by Triton team member Shay Waffles-Johns. NHRL is making a format change in 2023 and moving to a preliminary round followed by a seated single elimination tournament. Which is also very exciting to see. On the broadcasting desk with uh, will again be me, Kyle, Chris, Lindsay, Mammoth Captain Ricky Williams, and a brand new announcer, sports reporter Hannah Ostopchuk. The action kicks off around 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. Tickets start at $15 each if you're in the Northeast this weekend and want to catch the competition live. I want to pause here. Uh, thoughts on Saturday's competition? It's going to be so much fun. I would love to get your thoughts, uh, what you're looking forward to uh, for, for this weekend. I think Kill It With Fire is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's just I can't a, wait. It's like, yeah, it's uh, your your classic, uh, you know, uh, overhead arm, uh, a bot, uh, but with a weird flamethrower at the end. And if it works, I will be delighted. And you'll probably hear me scream. <laughs> I'm really excited for Big Cookie. Uh, I believe keeping in the tradition of Shay's bots, it will have no wheels. Uh, she made these incredible, uh, like high platformed heeled boots uh, that I imagine have like a like a send cut send um, created metal emblem that says no wheels, no mercy. Um, and I mean, if that's not like the coolest thing you've ever heard of, then I don't know what is. So if I wasn't pumped for that robot before, which of course I was, I'm especially excited now. Um, I'm also really excited for Tom Farkas making his triumphant return with a, a new bot, positively hysterical. Uh, we saw a little preview of it at the December event, and I don't even want to go into detail to tell you what it is. I want it to be a surprise because um, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. But if OK, I'll just say all I'll say is it kind of reminds me of like. You know, at carnivals, there's like that 
like um ship ride that just goes mm-hmm. yeah. you know uh up okay. and down like imagine if that but it like clunked uh forward okay, okay. <laughs> Interesting. I'm I'm more I'm I'm more excited about that big stamper. Uh, you know, like he's got this cat paw that he's going to he he's he told me like last time he's going to bring like an ink pad and he's going to actually like uh, turn it into a, a real stamper so that by the time that he's done with you know his three minute match, his opponent's just covered in cat paws, which I just love. It's gonna be great. Meow. That's a good idea. <laughs> oh my god, Chris, that's good. It'd be great if his opponents were littered, uh, were littered with stamp marks. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on on Saturday's competition? I love the new bot competition. It's uh, you you have to show up early. You have to see what people are building. Um, it always brings out the most creative minds in the sport. Uh, something I'm surprised no one's talked about: Red Rocket Jeff Waters um just going to be weird ridiculous and strange like most of jeff's robots very excited about that um but yeah mainly i'm looking for you know like uh, Seth schaefer's coming out with a new offering like everybody's bringing out their weirdest their wildest ideas and some of these even turn into bots we see do well throughout the rest of the season i mean that this is where we got wake and bake from and they ended up going on qualifying which is amazing um, I would also say, you know, like I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this other robot. It is secret, but we are going to get the big reveal on Saturday. King of Carrot Flowers. Joey Gannon um, was famous for building that really meticulous, beautiful shell spinner, the Wumpus. And he is back with something super ambitious. Um, he sent me a photo of it, and I am really, really stoked to see it in action. I won't reveal what it is because he wants to kind of like, you know, show everybody on on Friday himself. But uh, it is pretty incredible. Um, That's cool. I love his work. I can't wait to see it. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good. I don't know if you have, no, I don't know, but I don't maybe you do what Joe Fabiani is bringing. Um, I feel like we haven't seen him at NHRL in a while. Yeah, um, but I'm really excited to see whatever he has up his sleeve this time. Will it be a flaming penguin? Probably not. Hopefully something that is even wilder. There will be flaming penguins involved, I'm sure. (laughs) You know, like Joe's going to bring, no matter what competition he goes to, arguably the weirdest bot there. And then like January, (laughs) new bot January is like his time to shine. Because like (laughs) now the bar for weird bots is so much higher. And, 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 you know, uh, uh, Mr. Fabiani has to kind of overcome that, that bar, which, uh, isn't too hard for him. He's very tall. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's bringing two robots. Uh, he's bringing a 12 pounder called controlled demolition and a three pounder called false flag. So, um, I know that he's been traveling a lot internationally. I just, uh, hope he hasn't been, uh, I don't know, trained in some strange camps, you know, somewhere. uh yeah yeah those are interesting names for bots all right yeah yeah i don't know it might it might be our last competition ever you know who knows (laughs) (laughs) all right uh meanwhile battlebots this week published a new web page on battlebots.com confirming that season eight will be filming later this year it appears the show will again select the top 50 robots for the competition writing quote dates for battlebots world championship eight to be announced Tentative timeframe is summer 2023 in Las Vegas, but subject to change. 
In the meantime, come see BattleBots now and enjoy our nightly show, BattleBots Destructathon. As a reminder, Destructathon opens February 3rd with tickets starting at $52 each. And that's it for this week's news. Now, before we get into our interview with Tim, let's take a look back at episode three, which aired this past Thursday. We saw another dominant season debut match from Cobalt, fast driving from Claw Viper, the fiery disassembly of Bloodsport, good driving from Lucky, and justice for Jake Ewart. Uh, I want to pause here. Your thoughts on episode three, Kyle. I loved episode three. This is such a good season of BattleBots. Like, it was so much fun. Claw Viper worked. Claw Viper did exactly what it was designed to do. It drove fast. It picked the things up. It dro- put the things down. It was awesome. Um, one shot, one kill from Copperhead. Like, come on. That's amazing. This was a really great episode. I loved a lot of these fights. I thought they did a great job with the balance again of robot combat action to, you know, stories about the builders, stories about the bots. Um, I think they're doing a phenomenal job this season. They really are. I have a huge soft spot for Kevin Milchowski and Claw Viper. Um, Kevin is a Hudson Valley uh, local, you know, he grew up in Hyde Park, so it's one town over from the the town that I'm I'm living in now. Uh, Chris, you probably went to high school around the same time as him. Um, and Claw Viper itself is just like the underdog that works. Like I love to see an underdog just come out and dominate. Um, we we saw this so much in the predictions from the fans. So many fans predicted ominous just because it's gorgeous. It's got this huge drisk. It looks like it, you know, flew in from space or something like that. And Claw Viper is the plucky little control bot that just just dominated. It was incredible. Um, so yes, love to see Claw Viper's performance in this match. It, it was it was really really cool. I did want to pause here, uh, Lindsay and Chris. You have an you have a unique perspective, you know, uh, because you got to see the Copperhead and Bloodsport fight cage side. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about just like the run up to the fight, the work, you know, that went into the the fight, and then like actually experiencing the fight, going through the tunnel, the the whole thing. Well, I'll I'll defer to Lindsay because I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, Clyde is not here recording with us, so uh, it'll have to be me, I guess. Um, so, I mean, that day, we like woke up, we were all ready to go. Copperhead, you know, uh, had passed safety. It was, you know, ready to run. Um, that's kind of like the theme with Copperhead in years past is, you know, it's ready to go, basically. Very little maintenance needed. Um, and I think we are supposed to be like maybe the second fight of the day. Um, but due to a series of factors, we ended up being, I think the second to last and the production ran like past the, um, like originally scheduled time. So we were going up at like, I think 11 PM and we thought that we weren't even going to be fit into that, um, Mm. that like filming day uh like yeah because they got to shut everything down for you they got it's you know union production and yeah when every time you go past that hour it's just the the costs grow exponentially and so you know there we are we're like you know on an hour to hour basis being like oh are we gonna go next are we like are we almost ready what's going on 
And so it was like kind of an exhausting day emotionally because like your adrenaline is can only be at 10 for so long. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we had no idea what to expect. So it was all like just anticipation and like, what is it going to be like walking through the tunnel and, you know, all of this like uh, wonder. Um, And then and then finally, you know, we we it was like really late at night we thought we were gonna get pushed the next day and then we finally get the go-ahead that like they're ready for us and it felt like it happened in like a like a flash they were like go 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 load in the robot we were like you know taking the cart and like turning the corner outside trying to get in the building and um we were like oh my god it's really gonna happen it's really gonna happen and um you know then you load in kind of behind the stage behind the tunnel and you're just kind of standing there and like the nerves, the nerves grow because I mean, it it's just like it's a a feeling that's hard to really liken to anything else. Um, and then you can kind of hear Farouk, you know, with his announcement, but you're kind of far away. The acoustics where you're standing aren't great. So you don't really know what he's saying. And then there's like a PA who's like, all right, you're up. And then you just go through the tunnel it's showtime <laughs> it's showtime and chris you know i know uh clyde was there but uh you uh you you had a big part this season trying to come up with uh the tunnel entrances so this was the first one that we got to put into practice yeah and um that was that was fun and exciting and i really wish that i had the opportunity to be cage side <laughs> Uh, I was waiting in line for for dinner, and we're just about to uh, to go out there. We're rolling Copperhead out, and you know, all of a sudden, I smelled uh, just a waft of really cheap, uh, you know, spaghetti sauce in the air, <laughs> and then everything went black. Um, I woke up uh, three, four hours later uh, behind the builder's latrine. I had a large <laughs> lump on the back of my head, and everything tasted like metal. But, uh, you know, apparently the uh, the whole team made it out there and <laughs> they had a good time. Uh, it was a great match. It was an explosive match. Bloodsport is nasty, uh, but right place, right time, right drum. Uh, and, you know, we ended up winning that that rock, paper, scissors match. It was it was really interesting. The, um, you know, just the juxtaposition of these two robots in particular, Bloodsport I mean, they're running like diagnostics on on <laughs> on the motors and the weapon, and they literally have like like just a a moving schematic on a laptop that shows just how intricate and how well documented every single little blip that comes out of this bot. And then you have Copperhead, which is like forty two percent rust, <laughs> and uh, just it's just it's basically a cinder block. Um, and it was just it was crazy and it was explosive and it was the best way that I think the team could have started off the season. It's weird, though, you know, the, obviously the the people driving the robot, the weapons operator and the driver and in, in our case, you know, Luke and Chad, they have real a really good view. But I think if you're anyone else who's not a driver, the vantage point, at least for me, is like really difficult to see. I don't know if you experienced that. Mm. Um, but so when the hit happened, we were I felt like I was in a blind spot. I had no idea. I just saw, you know, uh, a a flash. I don't even really, really know. And then um, uh, I had to like lean in and then I saw the fire and, and somehow the uh, video captured me with like... <laughs> 
<laughs> looking in <laughs> astonishment. <laughs> but that was truly the first time that I saw that there's fire or pieced together what happened just because it all happened so quickly. Um, but yeah, the weird thing is like, you know, we, we waited like 12 or so hours for that fight. There was like so much buildup that went into it. And then, and then it was literally over in like a, you blink I blink. And you miss. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was weird. Cause all that adrenaline had to like go somewhere and it was, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy day. Um, and man, I, I like, I love the blood sport team so much. They are so focused on that robot and everybody has their own job and it's you know on copperhead there's like people some people who are working on it p and others who weren't able to come to the filming but when we were there there was like between four or five of us but the blood sport team was like probably 15 people and they all have a job and they're all like highly trained and highly skilled at doing that job yeah and it it was like really like watching this incredible incredible like surgical team you know and they all have their own specialty um so yeah i mean i don't know if you ran that fight 10 times i don't know that you'd get the same outcome definitely not um it just that's how it sh shook out and that was our experience <laughs> now um my team shredit uh shredit bro is uh, is going to be uh appearing this thursday um so i'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this experience but it was so funny. Um, I, I don't know if you, you experienced this too, but like just the like the pregnant anticipation when you're like back in the green room, when you're like standing there like in the shoot and you're watching like the next team go ahead of you. And like um, just that that feeling of like, oh, my God, I'm about to walk through the tunnel for the first time. And like just it's something else. It's really, really something else. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool that we we got to experience that a couple times. All right. Um, well, uh, last week we opened up our predictions thread on Facebook. We had 54 people send in predictions and four people managed to call all seven fights correctly. Those people were Andrew Woods, Sammy Bendali, Francois Froll Pelsier and Ben Cooper. Kevin Milchewski's absolutely dominant driving performance of Claw Viper seemed to trip up most people, and their win over Ominous was, at least according to the fans, our upset of the week. All right. With all that said, I'd love to get predictions for this week's fight card from our own Kyle Kroos. Kyle, FYI, you called four out of seven fights correctly last week, so you're improving. It's good. You know, you had three last, uh, last week, so, you know, a total of seven, I guess, over two weeks. That's pretty good. Um, so uh, I'd love to get your predictions uh, this week, starting with our first fight of the night, two international teams, Monsoon versus Black Dragon. Your thoughts here. I'm going to have to give this one to Black Dragon just because they've had uh, recent experience. Um, Monsoon's been out of the game for a little while, and I think that uh, Black Dragon's hard to beat anyway. Give them the kind of recent experience with the bot. Battle hardening, if you will. It's going to make it real difficult. Got it. All right. Black Dragon. Back-to-back uh, -back weeks for Malice, who faces off against Emulsifier. Your prediction here? Um, I'm going to have to give this one to Emulsifier. Rock, paper, scissors works out in their favor, and um, they, they, they seem to be on a bit of a tear. We'll see how it goes. Okay. We've got uh, the uh, BattleBots debut of everyone's favorite alien-themed robot Star Child versus noted yes. van enthusiast Charles Guan and his grappler bot Overhaul. 
um really excited to see star child first and foremost what a cool bot i absolutely love it at the smaller weight classes cannot wait to see this heavyweight version do the thing that said uh flipper bot or grappler bot like supremacy i fully believe in it this one's going to go to charles Guan. okay our next fight of the night gruff versus quantum Gruff versus Quantum, gonna have to give this one to Quantum. Gruff's just got all those nice big flat bits for Quantum to bite into. Um, so yes, that unless Gruff is able to bully them around, but you know, Quantum's a pretty good bully on their own. I'm gonna go ahead with Quantum. Okay, we've got a new and reimagined Kraken facing off uh, against an old stalwart in Beta. Yeah, that's gonna be really interesting. Um, I'm going to give this one to Kraken, but that all changes if Beta fires the hammer more than four times. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't count on that. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> two rookies who fought uh, both both fought at NHRL Horizon versus Shredded Bro. Your prediction here? Yeah, such a cool combination of bots. I'm gonna have to give it to Shredded Bro just because of the rock paper scissors of it. But uh, Horizon fighting gonna be amazing. There's so much NHRL in this on this uh, BattleBots episode. It's like the most NHRL BattleBots episode ever, um, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But yeah, shred it. it, bro. All right. And finally, our main event, two of the best driven robots in the field, Whiplash versus Hypershock. Your prediction here, Kyle. I'm going to have to give this one to Whiplash, but man, that's a tough call this time around. And literally never before in my life would I say it would be a tough call between Hypershock and Whiplash. But this year, it's a tough call. Well done, Kyle. All right, now if you think you're smarter than a Kyle, go to our Facebook page today to send us your predictions. After the break, our interview with Tim. This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, Ominous Captain Tim Bowens. Tim is part of the prestigious Three Continents Club, having built and fought combat robots in Europe, China, and the US. On BattleBots, he appeared on Season 3 with Reality, and was accepted for Season 5 and 6, but was unable to travel to the US due to COVID. Happily, he was successfully able to compete on Season 7 with his beautiful three-wheeled omnidirectional robot, Ominous. We're catching up with Tim after his first fight of the season, so welcome to the show, Tim. Good to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to get you on. You are actually the uh, the last of the uh, the rookie robot series. You're, you know, this is Ominous's what second time at BattleBots, but first time actually competing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the robot made it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the robot made it twice. You made it exactly once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're gonna just jump right into it, Tim. How did you get started in this sport? I'm really in understanding uh, like what got you involved, what your first robot was like, and where did you compete at first? I started back when I think Robot Wars was still on TV. So it must have been 99, early 2000. Um, I think I built my first Antweight. My first robot was an Antweight, like a 150 gram run. Oh, wow. And I competed at a like a RC car convention in the north of the Netherlands in 2001 with an incredibly overweight end weight. So it was like 200 something a gram instead of the 150 that was allowed. But I was like one of the only few guys who were building end weights in the Netherlands back then. Yep. So they, they invented the price for me. 
I think I got a, like a, a, a sponsored uh, gift from one of the sponsors of the event. So I've been building ant weights and feather weights for the better part of my robot c- career, mm-hmm. as you can say it. I think the ant weights were the, the 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 main part for at least ten years. So I did a lot of competitions in the UK as part of the Antweight World Series. I won twice, like the the Antweight World Series. Um, I organized uh, Antweight World Series in the Netherlands twice. Uh, so all the UK guys had to come over uh, to the Netherlands to participate. Uh, one event was during uh, the Icelandic uh, volcano eruption, so none of the UK guys could come. <laughs> Uh, that was a really horrible event. <laughs> Excellent event, but like the fifty percent of the, the field uh, couldn't make it. Guys who signed up couldn't come. So yeah, I've been building featherweights. I think two thousand four, two thousand five was my first one. Bunks, <laughs> still still running strong, uh, still winning matches. Uh, it's like a boring uh, two wheel drive push butt, but it does like forty miles an hour. <laughs> uh, so it's like the, the signature move is just to get someone on the front and just ram them to the other side of the arena. Um, Jesus, I'd have been. Yeah, I think that the, the the heavyweight was the 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 biggest. Like the reality was the biggest uh, uh, engineering. Well, not really, because uh, a couple of teammates did the, most of the design work, and I just made it look a little bit better. <laughs> so tell us tell us about the combat robotics scene in the Netherlands. I know we've now seen multiple heavyweights from the country yeah. um, compete on BattleBots, Reality, Petunia, and now Ominous. Yeah. Um, so how many combat robotics builders are there in the Netherlands? Like, um, do you have local competitions or do you mostly like kind of pull in from the rest of Europe? Uh, the robot competition builders in, <laughs> in, the, in the Netherlands are, I think, a team... It's growing slightly a couple of years because there's a lot of uh, new influx from the whole BattleBots uh, uh, rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like the president of the Dutch Robot Games Association, so we organize our events ourselves. Um, so we do two events a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to stagger them with the German Robot Association. And I think we share all robot builders to have enough people to uh, actually participate in the events. But there are about, let's say, 20 featherweights, a growing number of beetleweights, and we have a, a German weight class called the raptor weight. Oh, gotcha. Uh, which is like a, a sort of sportsman, but not really, because they still allow spinners, but they have big limitations on battery size and motor size. And so it's a little bit more complex to actually build one. Or it, it should be easier, uh, but it, 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 it was easier before the, the the whole brushes introduction, and then they had to design <laughs> rules to make it sure that okay, brushes is allowed, but only to can size this big or this long, and only three S, and so yeah, makes sense. But yeah, uh, so beetle weights are bigger. Some people still build end weights, but we do not actually have a arena, or we do have one, but it's in storage at the moment because it's very difficult for the end weight arena to be really visible for the bigger audience so we do have we had some antweight world series in like uh, uh like a games workshop setting so uh, uh 
tiny, tiny venue, limited audience. And then it's okay, but Antwits are a little bit too small to, sh to show on TV or to the audience. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and then we do still have like a couple of active uh, heavyweights. I know that Jeroen uh, from Tough as Nail still does a yearly event together with Marco from uh, uh, Brutus and uh, that kind of robots. But heavyweights are very limited. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah harder to do. Yeah. Uh, we used to have a big heavyweight arena uh, back in 2005, but it got used like twice. And then we didn't have enough uh, teams to actually have a big event. So it was easier for us to, to continue with the featherweights. And that's that's been going strong ever since. So, Yeah. I mean, it's just more accessible. More people can play. More people can do stuff. Makes more sense. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about reality. So you guys brought reality in 2018. Um, your record was really good. You ended the season three and two, winning the USA versus World match against Hypershock. Yeah. Um, so tell us about reality. Like, could you describe it to our listening audience? And then just tell us about how reality helped your, you design your future projects like Ominous. Um, reality was a collaboration between, I think, five guys. I think total of four teams. So it was my team. Uh, Melsco Robotics from Dennis and Steph, uh, 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 Tough as Nails from Jeroen, and then uh, a Tyrep from other Jeroen. So we have two Jeroens. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a design by Dennis, who did like Equinox in the Featherweights. Mm -hmm. So it's a very similar design, uh, also hub motor, uh, four wheel drive, very similar. I think they were originally planning on taking it to China for King of Bots. I think they almost signed a contract for uh, the the KFC uh, thing. Yeah, fighting my robots. Fighting my robots. Yeah. So, so I think they were really glad that they didn't got accepted or that they didn't finalize the, the contract over there. And we were in China in like January, maybe January, when we got the call from uh, Munson that mm -hmm. they were doing another season. And we originally planned to uh, take in a completely different design, which would have been, I think, way cooler, but way more difficult to actually construct in the time frame we had, because it would have been like uh, uh, tough as nails on steroids. Yeah. So fully brushless, fully hydraulic uh, crusher, but a horizontal crusher. I think we even had like a, a test frame for the drive, etc. We already made that one. And then the... Uh, the dude from Munson came and then we started construction on reality and welding in the mid of winter and yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is always fun. Um, why the hub motor design? What was so appealing about that to your team? Like what are the, what are the advantages over that than a traditional like belt driven spinner? Because I originally did a, a hub motor in catharsis, like the, my featherweight, like a two wheel drive vertical spinner mm -hmm. um, and it's just a way to keep things compact and very uh, uh, space, space efficient and I think Equinox is also a hub motor and like in the featherweight class it really works and uh, uh, we just wanted to do something different mm -hmm. so we did the hub motor in the heavyweight and we're testing it well not really testing it because you cannot really test anything outside of the battle box and it looked like it could work so we were like, yeah, why not? And the only thing we really regret is taking on a brush drive. 
Yeah. And uh, and not not necessarily the brush drive, but also upping the voltage on the drop brush drive. So it was a very uh, a true and tested like Robot Wars style brush drive, but on the 10s, so uh, like 40 volts. Wow. Instead of the normal 36, 24 volts. Yeah. So uh, I think we drove the first time we drove it in the arena, we burned two motors. The second time we drove it into the test box, we burned a speed controller. Uh, I think we burned to, I think four out of five speed controllers we had before we switched to another set of speed controllers, which we knew could do the 10S, but limit the, like the output. And then we had the problem that the whole uh, BEC started overheating. So the, 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 the transmitter or the, the receiver stopped working. And it's a, it's a miracle you made it to the, 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 the end results we got. <laughs> in yeah. the end seeing the big problems we had nope that makes perfect sense um okay so so you did uh equinox on my fighting robots in 2018 is that correct uh dennis did dennis did dennis and steph dennis and steph did equinox and i was uh the one with the the the, the catharsis gotcha gotcha and then so tell us about catharsis uh catharsis was a robot i built in 2015 also hub motor a big dry, a big disc like three and a half kilos so seven pounds eight pounds mm-hmm. like brush drive but like a split battery system battery uh, uh, uh wiring loom so like 4s for one wheel 4s for the other wheel 8s for the weapon two links uh, wow <laughs> Stolen the 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 whole uh, battery system from a Australian guy Nick, who happily lent me the his uh, wiring schematics, uh, so I could uh, try to make sure that it doesn't blow up. Um, <laughs> so I built it for like uh, the the UK uh, featherweight competitions, uh, and then we got asked by FMB if we were interested to go to China with the with the robot. And we were like, yeah, it's it's it's. We've seen some pictures of a previous competition, and we're like, not really sure on what and how and 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 why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, yeah, okay. Uh, it's just for a weekend, so we uh, there was a, a weekend of Shanghai, so nineteen hour dry, uh, flight, uh, and then uh, two days or three days of robot fighting, and then a nineteen hour flight back. Wow. <laughs> No, but it, it was amazing. It was so weird. Uh, you land in uh, on on because uh, we went went to Chongqing, I guess. So we we flew to Shanghai, and then we were loaded up um, uh, into a bus with like uh, a junior from uh, Riobots, and uh, I think Czech wasn't there. He was there the previous version uh, from Endgame. Uh, a couple of other Brazilian teams, a lot of Indian teams. We were loaded up into the, the the bus. We drove for four hours to like a, a, a harbor city. Mm-hmm. We were dropped off at, at a, a old airport hangar where they were constructing the arena as we were arriving. So they were still welding uh, all the all the the seams. We had to drop off all the the, the robot stuff, and then we go went to the hotel, and there was nobody spoke any English whatsoever, and uh, so. There, <laughs> That was a really experience. It was a good one. Yeah. yeah. 
So then 2020, 2021, you get accepted to BattleBots both years with a bot named Ominous. Everybody's really excited about the design. Everybody's very excited to see how omnidirectional wheels are going to work on uh, a vertical spinner at the heavyweight class. Um, so can you tell us about kind of what the experience was for you as far as those like getting accepted and then finding out you actually couldn't make it? Oh, uh, cause I spoke to Greg on like 2019 that I was planning on building something better. And I think I just was too late for the, like the initial application for the 2019 season. So then I was just finalizing the whole design, which is very nice that you have actually a year to design a new robot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have the luxury this time, uh, uh, if there's a next season. But the whole, uh, it was like 2020, we started building it in January, like when the, the Australian wildfires were the biggest problem, uh, we started building it. And then it was going towards March and like the shipping date. And then we heard from the production that they're going to shift it up a week. And then the week became two weeks. And then like March 13, they were like, yeah, no, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So we had like one complete build robot with uh, uh, everything ready and like one I IKEA flat pack. So we're like, okay, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, it might take a while. So they did the, like the, the, the world series, but not the world series because. Because <laughs> the world couldn't participate. The world couldn't come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but always kept in contact with Greg and uh, the whole BattleBots production. And then they said, okay, 2021, you probably get accepted and it will be okay. So okay, we started building the second one because, well, yeah, we have to do something. Uh, did a lot of testing. So we had a, we found like an abandoned parking uh, uh, place nearby. So we did a lot of testing there, trying to, to fine tune the, the whole mixing and uh, 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 driving of the robot so uh, and then we got accepted in 2021 we shipped the robot booked all the flights booked all the hotel the, the hotel was already booked etc everything with like a like a, the the insurance that you could cancel without any additional fees and you can get your money back right and the, the only thing that had to be done was get like the the, the knee exception so that so the, the ESTA wasn't valid and you have to get an exception that, that you are critical for the economic something in Vegas. And uh, and every, every time it was like, okay, you, it's okay. It's, it's a process. It will take some time, but we'll, it, it will be okay. And I think we canceled our flights the day we were supposed to fly. Wow. So like the, the Friday we were supposed to fly to arrive on Friday afternoon. And it would start on Saturday, so yeah, that was a. We had all the the, the luggage was packed. Uh, we were ready for uh, like two two weeks of a very hot and static Vegas. <laughs> and then we couldn't come, <laughs> and then we got like all all uh, sad pictures of people with our crate. Yeah, that was a very sad picture. So uh, you've obviously you got accepted for uh, the following season. <laughs> yeah. Did you make any changes to the robot after you got the crate back? Or did you basically just like send it yeah. right back to Vegas? Um, we did some changes. Um, we 
redesigned the self-writing uh, flap to be a little bit longer, so it had would have a longer reach. Mm-hmm. Um, we redesigned the gearbox yep. plates because we did have one between 2021 and 22. We had one competition in Portsmouth doing uh, the like extreme robots uh, competition. We had like three fights and won three of those fights. So we're like, yes, very good. But then we had like enough damage that we didn't have any spares, uh, uh, so we couldn't couldn't continue anymore. But like the the we have three mounting holes in each gear, gearbox plate, and one of them sheared off. And we're like, ah, they were designed a little bit too lightweight, and we can we have enough 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 weight spare uh, to spare uh, a little bit of beefier gearbox plates. So we redesigned those. We tested with some different batteries to see if we can increase the like the total energy uh, output of them while maintaining like enough power output to actually have the robot work correctly. Um, we did some testing with like the FASC settings, which everybody does. So, so we did a lot of like non-invasive uh, uh, improvements because mm-hmm. we knew if. Especially with like the the whole uh, metal prices and uh, parts availability, that building a new chassis would be very expensive. Yeah, uh, especially if it's like because uh, it would take me about a week to weld it. So it was like like five thousand dollars just to have a new chassis built, and then we had to have to have two, and we're like, ah. and we we knew there were a couple of design issues with the, the, the robots, like the self-rider is really slow, but it was something that we could fit in the robot in 2020, but nothing really cha- fits anyway. So let's run this and see how it works. <laughs> it doesn't, or it does, but it's slow, really slow. <laughs> right. Um, and we tried to squeeze in a bigger uh, MGM. So it was it was originally designed for like the two fifty sixty three from MGM, the smaller one, because that's the one we had from reality. So we had two of them. So I was like, okay, one spare, great. And we were keep on getting like uh, uh, errors, and it would reset and it would reset, and there was no one spin up where it would work correctly. And we installed the the bigger one, and it would start up immediately the first time, went to full RPM straight away. So it's like, all right, fixed. <laughs> um, what more do we change? We let we made a, a really a lot of uh, rollers for the omniwheels because the like the, the 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 standard durometer of the the I think it's polyurethane they used was like ninety ninety five sure, so really really hard, and we knew that we we would need any and every traction we could get. Yeah. So I think we made about a hundred and twenty of them. Extra, <laughs> so the one robot takes about forty-eight. Uh, do I say forty-eight? Yeah, forty-eight between the three wheels. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, number two. Twenty, uh, twenty-four, twenty-four per wheel. So it's uh, eight per uh, wheel, three wheels. So forty-eight will be two sets. Yeah, for two robots, two sets for forty-eight. So we made one hundred and twenty of them. A couple of them just uh, uh, Steph did some. Uh, Aluminium cord once, and the rest was just three uh, D printed PLA and uh, a custom like polyurethane, like sixty shore uh, polyurethane, colored brightly yellow. <laughs> G 
just to 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 match the the, the other yellows we used in the robot. Yep. But that was about it. Yeah. So we we got like two complete robots. Yeah. So we have some listener questions. A lot of them are about the design, just because it is so unique. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with a question from David, who's from BCRC. Uh, his first uh, question was, how has your Kiwi drive evolved over time, and how do you plan on improving it further? Um, I guess start by explaining to our audience what a Kiwi drive a is. A Kiwi drive? Uh, yeah. The, the funniest thing is, if you, look, if you look up Kiwi drive at the moment and you go to Wikipedia, you see a picture of Ominous. <laughs> That's um, a win. I, I didn't put it there, I swear. Someone did, but it's a, it's a, it's a good example. So it's a, a three-wheel drive uh, robot using omni-wheels. So not mechanical wheels, but omni-wheels. So the, the, that means that the rollers on the wheel are perpendicular to the axis of rotation of the wheel itself. So it can move with friction forwards, but it frictionless sideways. And that means that with the three well, drive factors you have, you can make any kind of movement and rotation you want in the 2D plane you have available on the on the floor of the battle box. And um, but it's only three wheels and not of not a lot of, not of rubber contact, so limited friction. I was going to say, is there like what are some of the downsides of a Kiwi drive? It seems like acceleration might be one of those issues, but what are some of them that you see? The main the, the main advantage is so you, you you can have any movement you want, mm-hmm. and the disadvantage is that you don't have any inherent stability. So if you have like normal two wheel drive, normal four wheel drive, you always have one direction of movement in the robot. So sideways, it's limited by the friction of the rubber uh, of the wheels you have. Omnidirectional drive doesn't have any friction sideways, so you only have effectively one wheel preventing you from moving sideways. Right. Um, which means that you move everywhere, and 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 sometimes it's in the way or the direction you want, but most of the times it's a residual factor of you going that way yeah. and you wanting to move another way, but it takes a while for the road to actually respond to your directions. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like driving a boat. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the boat has more stability than the omnidirectional. Robot. <laughs> I think anything has a more directional stability than the omnidirectional robot. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, how do you program your Kiwi drive? This is another question for David. Are there any quirks to programming that are unique to Ominous? Because um, one of the sponsors we had was like FreeSky, and they have an OpenTX system. Um, that means that you can program any kind of mixer you want in your transmitter. So if you want a three-channel input, three-channel output mixer, it's just typing and you and it, and it works. So all the mixing of Ominous is done in the transmitter. Nice. So that also means that we cannot have any like gyro stabilization in the robot because that means that all the programming has to be done in the robot. Um, so that's also one of the disadvantages we, we have. The advantage is we can just turn off one channel and just one wheels will stop working just to make sure that that, that one doesn't blow or uh, blows the batteries or whatever. But it's it's like a simple three channel uh, mixer in the, in the in the transmitter. That makes sense. Um, all right. So, final question from our friend David: um, How do you make a competitive chassis with those angles? 
Um, are there any new technologies or techniques that you had to implement to make it work? I mean, it's he's absolutely right. It's gorgeous. The angles are kind of irregular. You don't see a right angle anywhere on the thing. So yeah. uh, what, what kind of went into that process? It's like 90% of the, the, the whole design of Ominous was to look good on TV. So I spent a lot of time just tweaking those angles and make sure that it's actually manufacturable. So it's all like regular sheet, well, sheet hardox, but still uh, sheet metal construction. It's a, it's a monocoque. So uh, the, the, the stuff you see on the outside is also the stuff that keeps everything together. Yeah, but it's just, it's just metal. Mm-hmm. A lot of welding. I'll bet. <laughs> it looks really smooth. You guys did great work. Uh, thank you. All right, so we've got another good question here from Ryder Liangle who wants to know, are there multiple ways to implement holonomic drive? Um, can you tell us what led you to the Kiwi drive style as opposed to alternate setups like X-Drive or using um, Mercanum wheels instead of Omni wheels? Like what led to this choice? Uh, there are a lot of ways to do omnidirectional drive. So you can do the three-wheel uh, Omni wheels. You can do the four-wheel like uh, Glitch uses. Mm -hmm. You can use the four-wheel like uh, Shatter uses. You can do Swerve drive. You can do any kind of any kind of drive configuration that allows you to go sideways. But my main uh, uh, goal with the design of the robot was to make it easily manufacturable mm -hmm. uh, and, and keep it simple, stupid. So if, if I have to use four wheels to make sure it moves sideways, uh, then it's one wheel too much. <laughs> uh, and and, and the, the whole thing about three wheels, it's always perfectly contacting the arena floor. Yep. And I've driven on the, uh, the like the 2018 arena floor. It's like uh, uh, a rough sea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's bending all over the way. So with four wheels, you never have four wheels on the floor. Never. You have, or you have to have another set of flexibilities in your chassis and then it's uh, completely ridiculous. But like three wheels, Always uh, three points on the on the floor. Always contact. I can weld the chassis without any fixtures because it's three wheels. So there are always three wheels on the floor, and it's just three motors instead of four or even more and and encoders and, and etc. So it's it's just the ease of manufacturing and ease of driving. Yeah, but yes, less less grippy. Yeah, comparatively ease of driving. It sounds like it's still a, a bit of a challenge, but oh, it's, it's 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 so nice to see it move. Yeah, without any other robots nearby. <laughs> but if it, especially during the 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 claw viper fight, yeah, yeah, that's a scary robot to go up against too. It, it's it's it, it. I always compare it uh, to uh, uh, driving ominous is like. Uh, 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 making a, a circle above your head and a square on your stomach. <laughs> uh, and then with Claw Viper, you need like an extra arm yeah. <laughs> to do something else. Uh, it was, it was, no. <laughs> it's like top speed wise, where I think we're pretty much even. So we're close to 20 miles an hour. But I, I, I take like the whole arena to reach 20 miles an hour and he does it in like... Yeah, it's a split second. One feet, yeah, yeah, one yeah. feet. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so we have a, not really a question from Alex Pick, more of a compliment. There are videos of Ominous at other competitions. Uh, we could, that, the Extreme Robots, which you were talking about before. Yeah. Um, 
and it seems to be very improved since then. Um, what improvements were brought to BattleBots that made it drive so well in this episode? I think you covered a little bit of it, but was there anything in particular with the drive that you really worked on? Uh, we did some programming in the speed controller. So uh, we, because one of the, the guys at work uh, got in, 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 in vet, uh, infected by the VESC virus and he's doing a lot of software uh, development currently. <laughs> and he helped and he helped us with some settings but still during the fight if you if you look real closely you can see sometimes one wheel not really moving or we were still sh- short on some settings um, so settings on the vests uh redesign of the mounting of the gearboxes uh redesigned the mounting of the vests on those gearboxes because they were uh, a little bit too loose uh, so where there's they were smacking on the inside of the the chassis. Um, we did some, yeah, some improvement or tweaking of the speed control of the up motor. So a lot of a lot of little tweaks. Little tweaks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Little things to make it just a little bit better, and then yep. next thing you know, it looks like it's a completely different robot moving around at the actual BattleBots competition. And and practice, practice, practice. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So his last question is, uh, it's more of a a philosophical question. Reality and eruption from NHRL are very similar, very well-proven, cool designs. Why didn't reality come back in favor of ominous? Like why the change up to something more complex, uh, less proven? Um, That's a difficult one. (laughs) It's mainly because the, 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 the whole reality team disbanded in a in a way so uh, uh one of the heroines went to petunia uh really active uh, team member over there uh i think dennis and steph they did some featherweights but they, i think they they stopped as being being a team uh Jeroen had a kid uh, other you so it was all it just stopped being a team and then i was like okay i, I want to build a heavyweight yeah by myself see what happens uh, make it completely like I want it to be so it's not a, a big equinox but it's something I, I designed and then I just asked some people if they wanted to uh, help and the staff was like yeah I'm in I, if, if you have any uh, like uh, aluminium parts I have to make then uh, I can do that because he built like his own CNC machine uh, uh. so that was like then, okay then we have two people and then we just started designing and testing, so we made it like a, a small metal frame to hold three motors and a battery pack. And we drove in his street, like trying not to hit at other cars. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So, like, like out of the, the 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 five original team members, only two uh, made it to uh, being team ominous. Yeah. Um. So you have some high praise and a question from uh, Sawblaze Captain Jameson Go. Uh, he said, your sheet metal work is always incredible. In my humble opinion, it's on par with Donald Hudson in terms of complexity and cleanliness. Where do you even start laying out a bot with that construction method in mind? Jesus. Uh, Thanks, Jameson. Um, it's it's out, outer shape first and then internals second. So I think I scaled the, the whole ominous design two, three times before I could fit anything uh, inside <laughs> uh, 
I think it, it was especially uh, still a, f a picture floating around with like the first uh, rendition of uh, uh, ominous compared to reality, and it was like a, a featherweight heavyweight size. Yeah, but then it still it was like same internal components, but it's like yeah, I, I can still feel all the scrapes in my hand, so I, I, I'm still cursing myself that I didn't make it any bigger. But it's really it's like string wrapping around all the components and try to keep at least some degree of uh, uh, air space between components and the outside and then just tweaking angles till like most render images go like eh, this looks cool <laughs> and then trying to make it weldable and bendable and yeah yeah actually fabricatable <laughs> actually fabricated <laughs> another funny thing is like the first time we got all the the frame components i could just slot everything together mm -hmm. i was like okay is like minimal spot welds and it will hit, keep together. So like, okay, then that's that's perfect. Good, good design. You. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Horizon team member Peter Garnash wants to know, um, well, first of all, he has a, another big compliment for you. He says, uh, I've been waiting to see this bot for so long. It looks amazing. Truly one of the sexiest bots in the field. I think Peter speaks for so many of us that like pay attention to the acceptance videos and the list of who's going to be on the show that year and who got in. Yeah. Um, we've all been looking forward to this robot for so long, like seeing that that crate there last year. And yeah, it was horrible. No one to run it was the saddest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so his question is, um, how do you come up with your color schemes and shapes? Are there any places you get inspiration from artistically? Um. I think the, the color scheme of Ominous this time was, or this time, the time, it was inspired by like, uh, um, it's like the Braun GP uh, Formula One team. Oh, cool. So it's like the, the I think it's the Fleur yellow, green with the gray and the black, but like not hyper sharp yellow or like toned down yellow. Yeah. But like not, not Orby, blade, Orby yellow, but toned down yellow. Yep. So th th that was like, okay, the, the easy part is going uh, uh, just a gray chassis. That, that was the easy part. And then the whole, because uh, the, the funniest thing is I, I made some renders with like the, the, the yellow on the inside and the, the rhino liner black outside of the, the whole uh, armor pieces. And I was like, okay, this looks really cool, but how does it work in, in, in real life? And then uh, Helene and Steph helped me with the, the taping of the armor so we can actually paint like the outside black and the inside yellow. And they all were also like, why are we doing this? This, this takes so much time. And, 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 uh, and then as soon as we took off the tape and just set it next to the robot, everyone's like, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> this works. This, this is works. the way it should Perfect. be. <laughs> this is the way it should be. Yeah. I love that. All right, so Triton Captain Brad Hansed, who I believe also competed in China, writes two things. One, JEP. I don't know what that means, J-E-P. Um, yeah, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a joke just for yeah. you. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also writes, what do you think about Thanos? Thanos? Like like, like Marvel Thanos? Thanos. Um, yeah, why not? Yeah, Marvel Thanos, the Mad Titan. Was Thanos right, I think, is what he's asking. Ooh, that's an ethical question. Uh, <laughs> the, the, there is some truth in uh, his uh, 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 thinking, but 
I think you went too extreme, but yeah. <laughs> Interesting question. <laughs> a little off on the execution. Yeah. A little, off, a little yeah. off on the execution. And then his third question, why isn't your robot supporting more comp- or supporting more composites? Yeah. Cause like some of them might know, but I built like two like UK and weights for Bradley way back. Mm-hmm. So I think one was like VDFD and the other one's called Dice. Uh, all composite based. And uh, I think Bradley even mentioned me in a servo magazine piece on composites in a uh, combat uh, environment. Um, and indeed, like the, the first version of Catharsis had like a composite, uh, uh, even like a carbotanium. So it's a carbon with titanium wires uh, uh, in. And like on, on end weight level, it works. In featherweight level, it stops working. Yeah. And and heavyweight level, yeah. Uh, I used it for uh, like uh, vesk mounting, like a mounting plate. Yep. <laughs> but it's 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 too because uh, one of the 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 whole uh, design criteria of Almonds is what it has to be repairable with the means we have at Battlebots, and like one of the the most constant uh, uh, participants in the whole. Uh, repairing at BattleBots is the link in the uh, welding booth. So everything's steel, perfect. Yep. You can just grind off the, 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 the broken piece and weld on a new piece and it will be good. Yep. Uh, aluminium, I think we changed for the, the, like the whole gearbox plate. The improvement was mainly to go from like the 70, 75 non-weldable aluminium to a weldable aluminium. So in case we break the gearbox plate, we could still weld one back together in case we need it. Um, and composites, it's like, yeah, do you have an autoclave? Do you have a vacuum chamber? Do you have a a, a, a roll of pre-prec carbon fiber? And no. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a week? No. No. So, uh, yeah, repairability. I <laughs> uh, was like the main main goal. Yep. Nope, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. All right, so final question comes from a fellow Fighting My Robots competitor, Chad New, uh, from Team Copperhead, who writes, Tim, hello, my friend and my fellow old-timer. It was so dang awesome to see you in Vegas. Will you go back to Shanghai in the middle of summer again? And if not, how about Vegas? Hope to see you soon. <laughs> so it does seem like you like to go to these, uh, these really hot places to fight your robots. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as they have good air conditioning, I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I think yeah, Chad was also like in like the last fighting my robots uh, competition in Shanghai, fighting uh, Yahoo. I think you all know Yahoo. Pretty well aware of like, Yahoo at this point. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> makes them. I think, I think he, he, the the, the he had the like the full body spinner and uh, Yahoo uh, together with Luke. Um, yep. But also build like a, a the same time. I think the 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 end weight I built for Bradley had a direct copy called Pookie, which was Chad News. I think his one was blue, and from Bradley it was green. I don't know, somewhere picture. But indeed, the, the uh, uh, hot places. Yes, I think Vegas was really hot. But indeed, uh, if it all continues the way it looks like now, then it will be even hotter this year. 
Yeah, actually, in the summer this time, this time it sounds like at least that's the rumors we're getting from BattleBots.com. So yeah, it's 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 like we knew it wouldn't be like end of October, November this year if it was gonna go happen this year, because then the whole Formula One circus takes over. That's right. Uh, so we knew it has to be somewhere earlier, but then it will be also hotter. So I don't know. But it was it was good good speaking to Chad this year this year or last year. He's a good guy. So if you are accepted, are you going to bring a version of Ominous to this competition if it happens? Uh, we have to. Yeah. It's such a cool robot. Yeah. It's such a cool robot. And and, and it's it's like we have to, we also already know some like improvements we have to make. It's of course. Like magnets and magnets and forks, long forks and magnets. <laughs> uh, and a quicker self-rider. That that's yeah. Yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah, big that one. makes perfect sense. I mean, forks and magnets is just like uh, everybody seems to add more every year. Yeah. It, so, yeah. No, but it's like the whole design of Ominous was like, okay, I made it in like 2019. And then the whole... The whole game changed. I think I even... The, the, the funniest thing is I... Uh, I think it was the second Fighting My Robots competition where also Jack Barker from Endgame was there. And it was like, ah, oh, you should call... Greg, they're still looking for heavyweights. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> so he started the whole fork thing. I think I. I, I That's right. Because we have a, like a Dutch collector of uh, 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 robot parts in the uh, uh, I think Lars, and he had a, a, at the last competition we brought Ominous it was just for display, and, and he brought like the the Sawblaze Endgame uh, orange fork. And then we put it in front of uh, uh, Ominous and it was like, no, no, <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Not going to do this. But I, I texted like a, a picture of the whole configuration to Jack and he's like, no. <laughs> that was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, tell us about your sponsors and who helped you get this bot uh, from design to fabrication and finally to BattleBots. Uh, my sponsors are currently my employer and my partners. They helped me financially with building the whole uh, chassis in the first place in 2020. Free Sky for uh, doing all the uh, uh, nifty transmitter mixing uh, uh, suggestions. Uh, MGM with getting like a second uh, control uh, a speed controller in time for uh, uh, shipping. And Send Good Send because they helped us with a configuration we're going to use later in the season. That's awesome. Yeah, you got all. You gotta have those uh, last-minute configurations drama on the show. That's always the yep. most fun. <laughs> yeah. And then we and we did some like uh, 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 cardboard aided design uh, configurations, but also like a nicely computer aided uh, design uh, with all the bolt holes matching, which is always nice. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> Well, Tim, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We hope to see you and Ominous in the Battle Box again soon. Uh, maybe very soon. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to the Pentagon 
where a group of Marines were able to fool a sophisticated DARPA robot by doing silly walks. The Marines spent nearly a week training the robot to detect people and carry out missions. And at the end of the week, they devised a test to see how much the robot had learned by trying to get as close to the robot as possible without being detected as human. To do so, they tried doing somersaults, hiding under a big cardboard box, and crawling toward the robot, and holding up foliage while pretending to be a tree. In each case, they were able to successfully defeat the robot, which had been trained to detect normal human movements, but not clever subterfuge. <laughs> so finally, the Ministry of Silly Walks has a purpose. This is why <laughs> we, we don't have universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone's aware. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're we're doing cardboard box detection, Chris. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I can only imagine just the horror on whatever military contractor, you know, was set up to uh to to you know deliver this no doubt $150 million robot being thwarted by an Amazon Prime box. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, if someone is standing in front of me, but they're holding up some branches, I can't promise that I would be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I mean, uh, guerrilla warfare is not supposed to be holding up foliage in front of a robot. <laughs> <laughs> We laugh now, but they're going to get better. Right. <laughs> Are they? Are they? They're going to just be shooting every cardboard box that they see. <laughs> You're going to have some robots just dropping drone via drone uh, packages off at your door. And then right after, another robot is going to come up right up and just shoot it. Just going to be an anarchy of robots shooting things, dropping off things. And uh, in cyclical motion, it's going to go uh, from like the most dangerous job in the world, going from like an underwater welder to just working at a UPS store. <laughs> <laughs> There's like this statistic that um, that we would have the self-driving truck fleet now, except for they're only 98 percent safe. And that last like two percent is the, is everything. And it's like the hardest part to get. Yes. Um, I you have to hope and you know there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this hope is not in fact well founded but you would have to hope that the military has similar feelings about the safety of um automated weapon systems like this like there has to be at least a 99.99% safety rating on them to not accidentally shoot amazon boxes and in fact shoot the enemy uh but you know no Kyle, no, it's the military. Oh, sweet Kyle. Kyle, it's the military. <laughs> They'll send two robots, one that shoots every box and the other that shoots no boxes. Okay, <laughs> and that's just how they achieve total coverage. Okay. Kyle, it's the military. Right now, they don't have a robot that's 99.99% accurate. They have Carl, who's like shooting for 85% accuracy. True. Very true. Yes. At least you can hold Carl accountable, though. But, you know, in the future, when the government goes to war with Amazon, we were we are definitely going to have an advantage on the government side. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
we boy. laugh now. <laughs> well, that's about it for us today, folks. We want to thank Nicole for doing such a great job editing this week's episode. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. Check out NHRL. Uh, this weekend on YouTube and uh, check out Shredded Bro next week on the Discovery Channel. Woo! Yeah, Luke. Super Heck pumped. Yeah. See you Saturday. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.